You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know? Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families. Taking road trips, don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> okay, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Get Out, the story of which is, now that Chris and his girlfriend Rose have reached the meet the parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with Missy and Dean. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship, but as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he never could have imagined. It is starring Daniel Kalua, Allison Williams, Catherine Keener, Bradley Whitford, Caleb Laundry-Jones, Lil Rel Howery, and Keith Stanfield. It is written and directed by Jordan Peele. And joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. So, Kristen, uh, this film has still, as of this moment, a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's gotten a lot of positive word of mouth on the festival circuit. Um, I saw this with a packed movie theater audience, and I think that the overall audience experience may have done wonders to heighten my enjoyment of this film. But where do you fall on all of it? So many things to unpack. Um, I paid XD price, which is kind of like the big IMAX luxury loungers type of um, thing to go see this because I missed the press screening. So I actually paid close to $15 for a ticket. Please don't tell me that tickets where you are are more expensive. I'm aware of this, but... (laughs) Um, I usually don't pay top dollar for anything, and I did for this, and I felt that I more than got my money's worth. Um, This is not my favorite movie of 2017 so far. Um, That would be next week, a film that comes out next week, but uh, this is a very close second out of 2017 right now, and I really enjoyed this. I I know I complained when, I I don't know if I did it with with you guys when we talked about Fences, about how African-American films are marketed poorly to predominantly white audiences. And I think that the horror genre, which is something that, that, um, you know, the likes of, of Tyler Perry and stuff like that have kind of figured out a way to get audiences. They know how to promote. And this... I think really does a great job of of being just a horror movie that says something powerful about race while really lulling, which I think is part of the appeal and part of the satire, lulling white audiences into thinking that it's not that controversial, it's just a horror movie. Um, so I, kudos to the marketers for that. But as a movie, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think that Jordan Peele, I love Key and Peele. I think he's a, a great. He's got a great directorial eye, a great flair for playing with satire and horror comedy. He mentioned that he was influenced by Night of the Living Dead and Stepford Wives. I see a lot of people under the stairs here, which is a great movie if you've seen it. Um, I loved Allison Williams. I normally find her to be boring as hell. Thought she was really good. Uh, I think the only actor I didn't think had a lot to do was Katherine Keener. I think she's very underutilized in this movie, even though she has a key role. 
she just kind of stands around a lot and reacts to things and, and just kind of seems like she's out of it a little bit. But, but she I, does have the best scene, I think, in the entire movie, though. She does. Uh, she opposite, does. Uh, Chris, the Chris character with that hypnosis scene. That was yeah. awesome. I, I think I just wanted a bit more because she is such such a quiet presence in this movie compared to others. Um, and we'll get into the the satire and the, the racial political elements to it. But I really, really enjoyed this film a lot. Yeah, as I was saying before, I mean, people were cheering, people were clapping, people were screaming at the screen. You know, sometimes when you go see a horror film, you get like a lot of nervous laughter or laughter because honestly, the movie is pretty bad. This was a movie where um, the laughters were designed to actually come out organically and naturally. I mean, the for opening scene alone where um, there's a black man walking down the street uh, it's a nice, quiet, like, suburb area. This car pulls up playing this really, really bizarre music. And he just says, oh, no, 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 fuck this. And he, like, turns the other way. <laughs> it's, like, cracking up. And then all of a sudden it goes into full-fledged, like, horror mode. It really, really helped set the tone of what this movie was ultimately going to be, which is a film that's very, very self-aware, has a deep underlying message, but also is exploring uh, the genre tropes, which we are very, very familiar with, and having fun with it. Um, I think what Jordan Peele does uh, very, very well this movie is he knows how to have fun within the genre to manipulate his audience. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, I think all of the manipulations here and the desired effects are actually good. You know, I think that it also, like like you said, from a marketing standpoint, has done a really good job of getting us to think on the surface this is a horror film, but there really is a lot more going on here, a lot more. And a lot of it is subtle, too. I was surprised at how subtle uh, some of the key moments are, of the, like the subtext here of what he's trying to say in terms of uh, racial divides. You know, there was a lot. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind right away is there's like one scene involving cotton that is absolutely brilliant, like just brilliant. With that, which has so many connotations just loaded into it from a historical standpoint too. Something that simple mm-hmm. is just packed with with imagery and, and things to deconstruct. I mean, everything feels very deliberate in terms of having a multi layered meaning to it. Absolutely. And and that could be just somebody saying, you know, as a white person, I'm reading way too much into it because of historical significance. But I, I think that's the intent. You know, and when I first saw the trailer for this film, I immediately thought, oh, that doesn't really look really good. But when I saw that it was written and directed by Jordan Peele, I thought, OK, interesting. This might be something that could be worth my time. And sure enough, um, it definitely is. And there's a lot to enjoy here. I do think that Jordan Peele still suffers a little bit from being an inexperienced uh, director somewhat because the whole film is not really straight up horror. Like there's definitely a lot of unease that takes place within this movie. There's definitely a lot of uh, uncomfortability, but I thought it really took a long time for the film to get going. I mean, the first hour, it just seems like it's... um, from a pacing standpoint, maybe a tad bit off. Did you did you feel this way as well? Uh, before I get into that, I will say much. I'm a I'm a person who does not like old timey music because I find it inherently frightening. Which is why if you play uh, watching Insidious. 
for me is one of the most terrifying experiences I have in my life because of the use of Tiny Tim music in it. But um, yeah, any movie that uses Flanagan and Allen's uh, Run Rabbit Run, which is the song in the intro, um, is utterly going to be horrifying. And I think Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children used it as well. And I was like, oh God. So apparently that song's making a comeback you know, like 40 years later. Um, but no, I think you're right about the pacing. It takes a little bit, you, you know, we brought up pacing when we talked about a cure for wellness and that really was kind of the apotheosis of like horrible pacing. This, yes. this is something that I like about, you know, if you've seen something like The Invitation or House of the Devil, where it's almost like the character is trying very hard to not come off as paranoid. So that's where I thought that it was it was coming from, is that Chris, as as a, a outsider, not just being the lone person of color in this family, but also being the boyfriend, that a lot of, he, he, you know, the moments that he's trying to kind of push away, I think the pacing is trying to lull him into, am I being paranoid unnecessarily? I think the movie could have played with that a bit more because there's really not a lot of ambiguity. Everything plays out very, you know, he was right by the end of it. Um, So I think that would have helped the pacing because I think it is paced that way to make him say, am I just being rude? You know, am I going to look like an asshole at the end of this when it all turns out to be nothing or am I not? Yeah, yeah. I I know exactly what you mean in terms of that paranoia um, because honestly, within the first couple of... uh, minutes of the movie i would say at least by the end of the first act the kind of like the mystery the ambiguity of everything that was going on was pretty uh apparent to me what was ultimately happening there's a constant joke that gets thrown around a couple times where it's like they're being used as sex sex slaves um as uh his friend the tsa uh agent what's his name in this movie rod, rod. Or, yeah rod williams who you know, is, is a comic relief character, um, and he has a couple of uh, moments here and there that are uh, pretty funny. But um, one of the best monologues about Jeffrey Dahmer you will ever hear in a movie comes from this. <laughs> I agree with that. I actually do. You're right. Uh, but ultimately, I, I did find that the mystery to it all, like I as an audience member, picked up on it well before the character Chris did, and that's something that I found to be a little bit frustrating. Uh, to a certain degree, because I did think that the film was portraying him as being uh, smart, resourceful, and ultimately, when all is said and done, by the time the film reaches its final act, I think that the film then has kind of like course corrected itself and has kind of like um, done a really good job of righting the wrongs that I felt like the film had uh, taken in the first two acts. I, I will say that first act, I really enjoyed the elements of. And I, I kind of, I like how Pete, Jordan, Jordan Peele doesn't really belabor those scenes, but I kind of wanted more of them, those early interactions with the family. Because as somebody who has seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, um, which this movie is kind of lampooning in many ways, I really liked the relationship that he has with the Allison Williams character, Rose, because she has told him, you know, my parents aren't racist, you know, they're not weird. Um, And when they get those early scenes where he's interacting with them, and there's there's a great moment where, where Allison Williams is telling him, like, she's actually, like, genuinely embarrassed, like, because that institutional uncomfortableness that, that white people, and I say this as a white person, have around 
people of color, you know, how do you act? You know, the, the fact that uh, Bradley Whitford's character keeps saying my man or, or that he he says he would have <laughs> voted for Obama for a third term or how, um, you know, first Caleb Landry Jones, who plays her brother, who I'm fairly confident is the love child of Jared Harris because he looks just like him, um, <laughs> you know, it's just telling him about, you know, MMA and how, you know, if he just got there's all this uncomfortable stuff that you know i think jordan peele is kind of playing with in terms of white people we don't know how we're coming off and the things that we are saying and doing are a result of institutional racism that's just ingrained in us from society and i i i liked those elements um and i kind of wish they had been devote you know been a couple more thrown in before the horror, but I can understand why he limits them. It almost begs the question of, can the two ever really coexist um, and not have there be that tension, not have there be that divide, Um, which I found to be quite interesting, um, especially when you realize uh, in the third act why um, or what the... Uh, black people that visit this area, what their true purpose really, really is. Um, it's quite interesting to say the least here. Um, in terms of the lead, uh, Daniel, I hope I'm saying his name right, Kaluuya. Um, he was in uh, Sicario. Uh, he was in a Black Mirror that's episode. Right. He was, oh, that's right. Okay, now I, I kept wondering how I knew him. Yeah, and so what did you think of his performance ultimately in this? Because... There were times where I thought he was maybe a tad bit too calm and cool about everything. Um, but that hypnosis scene, though, like really, really sealed the deal for me. I, I thought he was fantastic in that. You know, now that I know he was in Black Mirror in the episode that I really enjoy. Oh, my gosh. You could watch this and that episode. And they both have very loaded political connotations regarding race. But um, I thought he was really good. I do admit that he is a bit too laid back but i again and i i peel could say that this is totally taking it out of context i think that that seems intentional that he doesn't want to come off as the paranoid black guy who's surrounded by you know he's he mentions at a certain point in front of of the maid georgina that he gets uncomfortable and there's too many white people around you know he doesn't want to be that guy but and i think that that allows for him to try very very hard to not be concerned about things even though he should be i almost wanted to play with the fact that you know would a white person have have freaked out at a certain because we always say in horror movies you know they should definitely have been freaking out a lot earlier you know um and i i think that that's kind of the character's intent that when it's somebody in a situation like that where they're outnumbered racially they really don't want to come off as paranoid and thus look racist, you know? And we have that whole stupid shit about reverse racism against white people. But I think Peel's kind of playing with that a little bit. Like, if he had gotten paranoid too quickly, what would we be saying about him? So I thought his performance was fantastic. And he's going to be in Black Panther, I think, as well uh, this year. So I'm excited. Oh. To s- yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes because I thought he was really good. That hypnosis scene where it's just all facial acting is just great. Oh, yeah. And it's so, so subtle, the changes that happen, and you really, really feel the emotion in that that scene as well coming from his character. I think Jordan Peele uh, shows great confidence as a director overall. Um, It's not perfect, 
I think that the script is actually probably the film's uh, best aspect when you figure in uh, how many different uh, connotations and uh, red herrings and all, all these different things are all uh, layered throughout. I think it definitely is quite clever in many, many ways. So what I want to do here is I do want to talk spoilers on this movie, and then we can get to our uh, final thoughts, grades, um, and any Oscar potential as well. I do want to throw out. I do want to throw out quickly, just non-spoiler related. Betty Gabriel, sure. who plays Georgina, a lot of people comparing her to uh, Ruth Gordon, I think, in uh, Rosemary's Baby, and. I, which was an Oscar-nominated performance, and we're not talking Oscars at this point because I, I don't think you can really call for anything after, you know, two or three months of movies have come out, but she is so goddamn good. I loved every scene she was in. Yeah, she definitely had a very unnerving presence yeah. every time she was on screen. Absolutely. Alrighty, let's move over into spoilers. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Okay, spoilers now for Get Out. We can pretty much talk about anything we want at this point, and then we will review uh, our final thoughts on the film, grade out of 10, and any Oscar potential. Kristen, when this film reaches its final act, it really goes balls to the wall insane. But admittedly... I never thought it reached its full potential as far as maybe the gruesome gore factor. This is not really a, a gory horror film. It's not. It's not. Uh, I think the goriest element is the third act um, brain surgery moment, um, which I love that he goes into the realm of body swapping, which is kind of a throwback, I think, to old, you know, 50 sci-fi movies. You know, you think of something like The Thing with Two Heads or or something like that, um, where you have this concept of, of swapping brains and swapping personalities. Um, for me, when, when you say I, you think it didn't go far enough, I would agree. I think it didn't go far enough in terms of the overall bleakness that it could have had. Sure. And a lot that's that's a criticism I'm seeing a lot of of people bring up is that Jordan Peele mentions that he is he was inspired by Night of the Living Dead, which well this is the spoiler section. Night end of Night of the Living Dead is the lone black guy who has survived the zombie apocalypse ends up being killed by a bunch of good old boys. Um yeah. and I was waiting for the movie to end there comes a moment when the cops show back up and you oh think, my god you think yes. the cops you know who have already profiled him in the beginning i was really waiting for and almost hoping that jordan peele would go with what our society would have done right now which is you know what he's surrounded by a bunch of dead people one of them's a white girl he would have totally gone to jail for the rest of his life. The movie ends a bit too optimistically, and I hate to say that, and I know, you know, if Michael were here, he would be like, well, there's nothing wrong with optimism. Yes, but in a movie that has been very blunt about the, the uncomfortableness between black and white people in this country, I was almost expecting, and I, I kind of wish he had not tacked a ribbon on it at the end. Yeah, I felt the same way. I, I still was happy and let me tell you something that element, oh, he deserves a happy ending the character deserves yeah. that the, but the the idea of having that op, uh, optimism at the end uh really really did wonders for the audience and i think it's why the film is being so uh, uh passionately praised by a lot of people 
Because if we had gotten a bleaker ending here where, say, cops would have shot him or arrested him or something like that, yeah, it would have definitely have been more blunt on the nose and would have really sealed uh, the deal in terms of the theme here. But I think that the audience would have... I feel like it might have come out of a totally different movie at that point. I can see that. How did you feel about the... uh, the the coagula process that the third act becomes this this concept of body swapping and and white people wanting to live in the bodies of black people um okay so because that i that i think had the tendency to come off as very silly it, it was, in my opinion. You know, there's one scene in the movie where uh, Bradley Whitford is uh, talking to Chris about uh, Jesse Owens. Yeah. And how he ran the race, and you which know, was very, talk. which was very funny because I had just seen race yeah. a week or two ago um, for reasons, and it's actually a very entertaining movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, you know, but you know, through this race, he pissed off Hitler, and you know, <laughs> proved to be uh, genetically uh, superior. Yada yada yada, and it's like people will read into this, like you know, this older woman is with this younger black man for his dick or something like that. Like, I, I really well, there's don't... A, yeah, there's a whole scene where, like, people are asking, and you're assuming that these are just, like, horrific questions that white people have definitely probably asked, like, their black friend. Like, you know, sex questions, uh, yeah. are you into sports, stuff like that. Yeah and, yeah, and the movie makes that an intentional red herring in terms of what they're, they're essentially S- profiling based on what they want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, like I said earlier, um, there's a moment where Rob Williams is like, I think they're using them as sex slaves. And everybody's just like looking at him like, really, buddy? Really? <laughs> you know, it sounds ridiculous. And that's not exactly what is going on here. Instead, it's more about um, a greater a greater degree of control in many ways. Um which I found to be very, very interesting. I think there's a lot of different interpretations, honestly. I don't think there is one single way to read into it, which I did find to be um, difficult to decipher at times. And honestly, like, I still don't know. I I think it's that audience manipulation. I'm going to go back to it again. I still don't know how this film works for me because so much of this is so out there and so crazy. And it doesn't really, in my opinion, fully commit to it um, so much by the end of the film, like as I was saying before. But yet I still find it incredible that the film ultimately as a whole still works. And it's definitely working for uh, more general audiences definitely i i will say i thought that the the third act twist it has a lot of layers you can take it the literal that you know white people love to culturally appropriate black people it in yeah. terms of music and and other things so it's just a natural <laughs> why is he dressed that way <laughs> so it's just a natural progression to take their bodies um yeah you have the control element you also have what i took which was that you know you have those um horrific arguments that people make in term when anything bad happens involving a black person where they're like if they just acted whiter essentially if they just acted more like us you know it would be it would be fine and so for me i took the interpretation of the ending as like this is what the the kind of 1984 
type of element there where, you know, we make black people just like white people. And thus, we both remove the uncomfortableness that white people feel around black people and we make them safer. You know, it's this, it's this very dystopian, almost, you know, 1984 Kurt Vonnegut type of twist that he throws in there. I did find it interesting for me more than anything is that Stephen Root's character, who is the blind guy, the lone person of disability in this movie, is the villain kind of in terms of wanting to fix his disability through, again, black cultural appropriation. And yet those two groups are often the most stereotyped, disabled people and black people. Uh, if anybody has seen, there's an episode of Speechless where the character says, you know, we both play mystical type of characters. Um, we both have our stereotypes. So I was really fascinated by that element. And, in, you know, the concept of Stephen Root says something about something, it's a genetic disease, both literally for him and it's perceived as race is kind of a, a genetic defect for, you know, throughout history. So I thought that was really fascinating, too. And I, I probably could unpack that further, but I really liked that aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's all very, very fascinating. It is well thought out. Um, it's definitely... It definitely deserves a lot more credit than people may be willing to give it at first, but I think by the end of the film, people will be genuinely surprised at how truly effective the racial commentary is in this movie and how well it's sprinkled throughout. For example, uh, when Rose, uh, Allison Williams' character, reveals herself to be a true quote-unquote B-I-T-C-H by the end of this movie, and she is... Eating was it cereal She's with eating light milk? Fruit Loops with milk, listening to Dirty Dancing's "Time of Your Life," <laughs> and she's wearing all white as well. On top of that, it's just so so interesting to me, and I found it to also just be so so effective. I like I said, it's one of those things where it's so ridiculous and so over the top, but. Jordan Peele just has um, the right respect for the horror genre, a good um, ear and eye for comedy, and he makes it work. Yeah, I I will say I don't think Allison Williams is getting enough credit for for her performance in this. I do not like her in general. Um, I don't like her on Girls. Um, she's a horrible Peter Pan. She would have made a good Nancy Kerrigan when that made that Tanya Harding movie, but whatever. Um, but I thought she was so great in this because. Even though, whether you know she's going to eventually prove to be the bad person in this movie, which she does, she sells the performance, you know, I I mean, even in the moments where he's saying, like, we gotta go, and she's like, okay, you know, she acts very genuine, and even when she's, you know, rooting around for the keys, she's very, very authentic until she just flips that switch, and, you know, she, she reveals herself, um, and again, she has another a great scene with the character who plays Rod on the phone <laughs> that um, she's she's talking and she's doing both performances. The, the yeah. scared girlfriend with a straight face. And I thought that that was so interesting. Um, so kudos for getting a performance uh, that I didn't hate. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, final thoughts. Great out of 10. Oscar potential. Take it away. Um, this is one of the smartest horror movies that I have seen in a very, very, very long time. I cannot tell you the last horror movie that made me think and let me deconstruct 
as deeply as this film does, um, which is probably why I don't go pay to see horror movies anymore. I just get them on Redbox or I don't care. Um, I would love to see Jordan Peele do more. I think he's fantastic. He's definitely proven a flair for for directing and writing incisive horror that is unnerving, that makes audiences actually flex their brains. Uh, the acting is great. Um, I do think that uh, even though Catherine Keener's got a great scene, I wanted more from her. Um, I did think that the third act could have maybe been a bit bleaker, but that is all up to personal interpretation. So, uh, great out of 10. I'm gonna give this an 8. I really enjoyed this a lot. Um, in terms of Oscar potential, I don't think it's early enough to say anything Oscar-related, but, you know, let's go No Guts, No Glory screenplay and I'd love to see uh Betty Gabriel get a supporting actress because I think she was just phenomenal in this movie um so yeah I really enjoyed this not my favorite movie of 2017 so far that's next week but really enjoyed this one all right all right all right so I do think that this is a very smart horror film I do prefer something like Cabin in the Woods a little oh, okay. bit more so that, that, that did okay I, I take it back so Cabin in the Woods was the last time my brain actually worked during a horror movie yeah yeah <laughs> And I, I mean, like I also with Bradley Whitford. Yeah, that's true. Oh, good, good call. He must, he must be uh, drawn to these kinds of scripts, baby. Who knows? Um, but in any event, though, I did find that the film also had probably the most um, uh, commentary on race since Django Unchained, in many ways, and also um, it it also has that film's entertainment factor going for it. Um, as I said, this film is best seen with a large audience. I don't know if it's going to have the same effect on you if you would were to watch it by yourself, maybe on Netflix or something one day. But taken with an audience, this is a great experience at the movies. This is a really, really fun time. The level of audience participation I had experienced in my showing of this was off the chain. I'm talking people standing up out of their chairs, clapping, people yelling at the screen. Even I, at one point, had to like yell out loud. I was like, I was like, get that bitch! Get that bitch! I was into it. I was so into it. And by all accounts, I should not have been because this screenplay is absolutely insane. Um, there are some moments that, you know, that are just so absurd, but you just go with it. You Honestly, Jordan Peele shows great confidence here as a director. Um, that doesn't mean that he's perfect in his endeavor here. Uh, there are some pacing issues in the first uh, act of the film and even into the second act, because honestly, the film is about what, like a an hour? Hour 45. Hour 45. I would say the film for the first hour and 15 minutes is... Essentially, like you were saying, guess who's coming to dinner? Remade with a few jump scares sprinkled throughout, but predominantly um, a feeling of unease. You know, we talk about how uh, white people feel uneasy when there's, you know, more black people around. You know, Chris admits that he feels uneasy when there's white people around. Um, and I really, really love that the film takes a stab at looking at that racial divide and how uncomfortable it makes people feel. Because also, too, looking at it through this lens, when the film sets up the kind of person that Chris is in the beginning with his photography, his apartment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, and I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but, you know, he, he essentially is kind of, you know, like that white hipster lifestyle you know what i mean and to a certain extent 
and he's in this interracial uh, uh, relationship with Allison Williams. The character of Chris has you know roots within his uh, you know within his culture, uh, and he's got his friend Rod also, who people will say you know may act like your stereotypical loud black person. Chris doesn't. And I think this is all deliberate. All of it is completely deliberate. The Rod character acts like the audience surrogate, you know, regardless yeah. of race. He's the one saying, like, dude, you know what? You should be thinking these things. And I'm sure, you know, we live in a, in a society now where... You know, I, I will admit, I have been asked, you know, are, are you not, you know, you're a young white girl. Are you not naturally afraid of, of black people? And I, my whole concept is like, dude, I'm afraid of white men because the odds are that mm. that's what's going to attack me. Um, but, he, you know, the Rod character is the one saying, like, dude, we're already living in a society right now where, you know, they're gunning for, for people of color. That's just how it is. You should naturally yep. be wary anytime you're in a situation and that's something that's very true and that white people need to acknowledge and need to look at ourselves and be like okay how can i make that go away so that people don't feel uncomfortable yeah and i think jordan peele like i said asks a lot of really great questions i think he takes a lot of interesting twists with the story and how he presents it um I was very, very on board for this. Um, I, I was leaning towards an eight, but like I was saying, as far as repeat viewing goes and how this film will hold up over time, I'm not sure that I'll get the same satisfaction out of it again and anything could ever like measure up to this theater experience. So I'm going with a seven out of 10. Um, as far as Oscar potential is concerned, I agree with your no guts, no glory uh, picks there. I, I would at least love to see this maybe get a screenplay mentioned come the uh, end of year critics awards. Uh, we'll see what can happen out of that. That would be pretty neat. But typically, though, for the most part, yeah, no, nah, this isn't going to have that kind of uh, that kind of an award streak to it. So with that said, Kristen Lopez, where can I find you on the Internet? I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Get Out on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes as well. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we will see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.